Today on Blue 58, there's nothing left to be done to prep for the 2022 NFL Draft. We've talked about just about everybody we're talking about. So now there's just one question left to ask. What are the Packers going to do? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, happy to be with you here for another episode. And I am happy to be with you here because, as I said in the opening, there's nothing left to be done. We don't have to talk about any more position groups. We don't have to unearth any more prospects. We've talked about quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, the offensive line, the defensive line. We've talked about edge rushers. We've talked about off-the-ball linebackers. We've talked about cornerbacks. We've talked about safeties. I suppose we could talk about kickers and punters and long snappers, but who wants to sit around and talk about that? As one of my old coaching colleagues used to say, the hay is in the barn. We've done all the work. You and I have talked about just about everyone we can find. There have been a couple misses in there. Sure. If that ends up being an issue, we'll go back and fill it in once the Packers have selected them. But my point is, we've got a couple days to go, and then we're going to figure out what the Packers have actually done in the NFL draft. So what are they going to do? It's a really short question, and it's a really hard one to answer specifically, so I thought we would talk through a few different things about this draft class in general. We will first talk about just some final overall impressions of this draft class. We'll talk about what I think the Packers should do. We'll talk about what I think the Packers will do. I've got a mock draft that I did that I want to talk through with you. Spoiler alert, I really actually kind of hate it. We've got a few guys that I just kind of like. And then we're going to sit back and watch it all happen. We'll do a live, well, not live. We'll do a day of react to the first round when it comes out. Then we'll get caught up on days two and three afterwards, and, well, we'll be off and running as we head towards organized team activities. So, the overall impressions of this class. A few superlatives for you. The best position, I think, in this draft appears, to my eyes at least, to be edge rusher. seems like there is value to be had everywhere throughout this class, and it feels like the highest parts, highest peaks of this class are higher than any other good position in the draft. Seems like the best edge rushers are better than the best receivers, and those really are probably the top two spots in this this class. The worst position, on the other hand, at least to me, seems to be tight end. If you recall what we did on that episode, there were only three guys we had categorized as tier one prospects. There's a bunch of pretty good prospects in this class, but overall, I don't have a lot of love for this tight end group, which is a bit of a bummer because it feels like the Packers need somebody out of this class. The position group that I have the most questions about is safety. The top end is really good. There are four tier one guys that we talked about. Three of them are probably going to go in the first round or first and second round in Kyle Hamilton, Jalen Petrie, and Dax Hill. Beyond that, there's a bunch of guys that seem like they can play But I'm not sure how it all translates for some of them. Some of them have real obvious questions in some of their coverage grades. Some of them you wonder about more middling athleticism. Some you wonder about level of competition. It's a a pretty broad position group. I don't really know what to do with it. And even the top end guys, I think there are some questions where you might... It's going to really depend on where these guys end up. Uh, Petrie and Hill, for instance, they're really good players, 
but how they're used is going to determine a lot of their NFL success, and that's going to come down to where they end up. And then there's a position that I just don't really know what to do with, and that's defensive line. It feels like, well, part of the process, for me at least, is coming up with these these rubrics, these thresholds that you look at for identifying guys, and then just working through that from there. Well, this year, there were fewer of them that really met the thresholds than ever before. And I think that's because the position group has kind of changed around me as I've looked at it. They've really kind of changed how they categorize who even is a defensive lineman. A lot of guys that used to be considered, you know, kind of died in the wool lineman types are now bumped out on the edge a lot more. Nobody really has any clear use for a true nose tackle anymore. Though you can find some instances where, where guys get used like that. Even the Packers late in the Petten years didn't really use their nose tackle Kenny Clark as a real nose tackle anymore anyway. So what does that even mean? What what are defensive linemen anymore? Are they just slightly bigger guys that are that would be edge rushers except they're heavier so they put their hand on the ground and rush inside? I don't know. It really varies, it seems, team by team. So I don't really know what to do with that position group. It seems like there's some really good options there. But what are they? And what are they as players? I don't really know. That's the position that's the the class overall. It's an intriguing class. I don't think it's bad. Uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day where, where someone referred to it as as a, a potentially real bad class. I don't know if that's the case. There are certainly some really weak positions as we've talked about, but there is value to be had just about everywhere. So what should the Packers do? If Brian Gutekunst is listening, hello, Brian, please stop and go do something else. I promise you I will mess this up. Uh, if you are looking to me for advice, I, I'm sorry. Um, and I'm sorry to Packers fans that I have ruined the team because I assuredly will if I am put in charge of this. But if uh, if you were asking me if I got to sit in the GM chair for the next weekend, I would say that the Packers, first and foremost, should look to double up on on edge rushers. That seems like the deepest position, and it seems like it's one where you could get a couple of really good options if you took a specific approach. What is that approach? I would say first the Packers should look for a real blue chipper early and then try to find more of a project player later. There are some guys with some really intriguing uh, physical attributes up and down the draft board, but particularly late that may not have... um, gotten the same kind of attention that that some of the other prospects have gotten. If you're looking for a blue chip guy early, it's going to have to be in the first round, obviously. There's some really good options towards the end of the of the first round. Aaron Arnold Ebiketti, it seems like a really good option out of Penn State. Uh, you rarely see him mocked high in the first round. If the Packers are looking for an edge rusher and he's sitting there at 28, maybe you think about grabbing him. He just misses on our production ratio threshold. Uh, but... Um, Yeah, he seems like a really good option. But if you're looking for more of a project player, uh, Dominique Robinson out of Miami seems like a a pretty good option there. Uh, We didn't talk about him during our our edge rusher draft class because he hadn't had his pro day yet, uh, but he since has had that. And uh, he's really interesting because he's a really unusual um, position switch. He switched from wide receiver to outside linebacker at Miami of Ohio, uh, now has bulked up to 253 pounds, had 11 tackles for loss and six and a half sacks in 15 games as an edge rusher. Still obviously pretty raw, but an intriguing um, 
set of skills, if nothing else. And there are a lot of guys like him throughout the later portions of the draft. Really, really interesting guy there. Similarly, I would double up on wide receiver too. They're probably going to need a blue chipper early just because they're going to need someone who can contribute pretty early. So I think you you got to get one in the first couple rounds and then take another more project-oriented player later on. I do think the Packers should also draft a defensive lineman at some point, probably in the first three rounds, get a safety as well, and then just fill out the rest as as the, the draft kind of comes to you. That could go any number of directions. Just kind of go where the board takes you. There is a lot of value in um, rounds four, five, and six. As I put together my quote-unquote horizontal board, looking at the guys we've looked at as they compare to Dane Brugler of the Athletics um, draft rankings, things really start to pick up for offensive line, for tight end, uh, for cornerback, in rounds three, four, and five. There's a lot of good options in that range. And uh, you can find a lot of value um, in those later rounds. And I think that's that's where the Packers can, can make some hay. So what will the Packers do? That is the big question, obviously. So I've got a few pr- predictions for you here. I've got six predictions for what the Packers will do in the 2022 NFL Draft. First and foremost, the Packers are going to trade up at least once And I'm starting to think it might be in the first round. The way boards are moving, that seems like what they might have to do to get one of the higher-end wide receivers. And as I did my mock draft, that seemed to be the trend with with just about whatever simulator I looked at. It was pretty rare that one of the top-end receivers fell to your lap at at 22. A couple times they did have Chris Olave end up at at 22, and that was an easy decision there. It, It worked out pretty well. But if somebody starts falling to like, 13, 15, 17, the Packers might have to jump up from, from 22 to get there. Probably wouldn't take much more than their third to get there too, but uh, just prepare for that possibility of the, of the Packers' first two days really being where they get all their, all their work done because they might have to trade a couple of those middle-round picks um, to get out, I mean, up into the teens to get one of those higher-end guys at the positions they're looking for. Hopefully they don't have to move both first to get up real high, but um, you never know. Things get crazy sometimes. I do think the Packers are going to trade up at least once sometime this weekend. Second prediction, I think the Packers are either going to get one wide receiver or a wide receiver and a big guy in the first round. So they're either trading up to get a receiver or they're getting a receiver and an edge rusher or defensive lineman. If they trade up, it's going to be the one receiver. If they stand pat, it'll be be the, the two-fold pick. Um, defensive line could go a number of different directions. You go the more traditional route. Uh, you get uh, maybe somebody like a Travis Jones, or maybe you get a Logan Hall, or um, you know there, there's there's any number of guys you could slot in there. Third prediction, the Packers are going to draft at least one offensive lineman. Obviously not way out of limb here, but I think the Packers are going to need help on the offensive line, so go get one. I also think the Packers are going to draft a running back. Uh, they've shown a some sort of preference for doing that under Brian Gutekunst. They've drafted a, a fair number of them, uh, even dating back to the, the late Ted Thompson era when they drafted uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and Devontae Mays all in the same class. Uh, I don't think we can forget that the Packers do like to invest at running back. There's also a lot of value late, especially if if you're looking at guys that are just pure, uh, amazing athletes. Uh, You can get a lot of them in the later portions of the draft, and I think the Packers should look at doing that. 
I also think that the Packers are going to draft a defensive back. Again, not way out on a limb there. You need a lot of defensive backs to make this thing go. The Packers have done it in 26 of the last 27 drafts. So they're probably going to add another defensive back this weekend. Finally, this is my kookiest sort of prediction. But the Packers are going to draft someone from one of these five schools. Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Mississippi, or Appalachian State. The reason I say that is because the Packers tend to cluster their draft picks. If they make a pick from one of these schools, from a school, they tend to return to that school within the next couple of years. Uh, you can follow those trends back now almost a decade. If they're, they like a guy, they, they take a guy a given year, they will often return to that school and pick another guy from the same school um, within a year or two. Now, last year, the Packers picked guys from these five schools. Uh, this year, I think there are some really good indications of, of some guys they could pick at each of these five. For instance, at Georgia, they could go with George Pickens. Ohio State, if they're looking late in the draft for a running back, Master Teague third is a good option there. At Clemson, wide receiver Justin Ross seems like an option, though he has some very concerning medicals. Uh, at Mississippi, Sam Williams is a is a real good option there. At Edge Rusher, they've had him in for a top 30 visit. And at Appalachian State, Appalachian State, DeMarco Jackson, the linebacker, could be an option there if they go towards uh, for somebody towards the middle or later rounds. I did a mock draft. I don't like doing mock drafts because they make me feel stupid. The entire draft process really makes me look stupid because you put in all these work on uh, this work on these guys and then you get in there um, and have to do a mock draft. And uh, while you end up looking silly because none of the guys you picked or liked are are anywhere where you're picking, and uh, you just end up picking the guys you've heard of, and and, well, things don't go particularly well. But I did a mock draft. I used Pro Football Focus's draft simulator because that seemed to be the one that had most of the data that we'd worked with, so I wanted to at least build it around stuff that we'd we'd done previously. I made myself a couple of rules. Uh, First of all, no trading. I felt that added too many variables. So if the Packers stand pat at all 11 picks, these are some options that they could go with. Um, I also did one draft for practice and then went with just one to just see how things worked out because there's a temptation there of just keep going until you get a mock that you like and then talk about that one. This is my one and only swing at this. Uh, So I took a crack at it and uh, this is what I came up with. Uh, At 22, I took... Defensive lineman Travis Jones out of Connecticut. This one stung because I didn't love the pick. It worked out that there were pretty much only big guys and George Pickens on the board at this point. So I didn't feel good about Pickens at 22. Bernard Raymond, the offensive tackle, was the only other option that really stood out to me. Tyler Smith, the big Tulsa tackle, was also there. But I went Jones out of Connecticut because I felt like they could really use the juice there on the defensive line. He seemed like a good intersection of value and need. Went with him there. Didn't love the pick. Uh, Chris Olave went 19th in the simulation that I did. If that was the situation, the Packers are sitting there at 22 and Olave is there on the board at 19. I'm assuming the Packers are going to try to trade up in that situation to get a guy like Olave. It seems like that would be a situation we could see very easily playing out on Thursday night. At 28, though, I was able to get George Pickens, the wide receiver out of Georgia. I like him. Um, this decision was tougher than I thought because there were some other options there too. You had uh, Pickens on the board at 28, Arnold Abichetti there too, Jalen Petre all, all, all there as well, as well as Dax Hill. I think you have to take a wide receiver there at 28 if you haven't already, just thinking back to how things played out at, in 2020. So the Packers obviously took Jordan Love there 
which we've spoken ab- about at length, the, the, the various um, machinations of that selection. Uh, but doing so, they passed on guys like T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, and uh, Chase Claypool. Uh, obviously, some sort of assumption in play there that the Packers would get another swing at one of those guys in the second round, and wouldn't you know it, they didn't and were not unable to trade up. Uh, none of them were there the next time they had a chance. So I think even if you're you're not 100% sold on, on Pickens as a first-round pick, this might be a situation where you have to do that or trade back slightly and just let the board come to you. Although there are a couple teams after the Packers pick that could also use wide receiver too, so you can you can debate that with yourself till the cows come home. At 52, I took Drake Jackson, the edge out of USC. This was another situation where the board didn't really break for me. It came down to being between him and Abraham Lucas at 52. Question is, what's the bigger need? Probably edge, but it depends on who you value, what you value. If you think um, Elton Jenkins is going to be back for week one and that solves all the Packers' offensive line issues, okay, you're all set. You've got Bakhtiari and Jenkins at your two tackle spots. You've got Yash Nyman as your swing guy. Away you go. But if, uh, if you're not sure there, maybe you go with a, a more sure thing at 52 and see how things played out. That was my thought process. But then at 59, Abraham Lucas out of uh, Washington State was still sitting there, fell right in our laps. I know there are some real drawbacks there. I think there's a real possibility that he could be another Jason Spriggs type, just a big athlete uh, who does not make it at the NFL level because he's he's too light or too inexperienced as a run blocker or just too something, and it doesn't work out. Uh, but for a guy who's probably not going to be one of your top options at tackle right out of the gate, I think that's fine. You can let him figure it out a little bit as an NFL player as you go. At 92, I took Dominique Robinson, the edge out of Miami. Uh, we're a bit into reach territory here. And um, in all honesty, I this was a misclick. I was trying to pick D'Angelo Malone out of Western Kentucky. I like him a lot. Robinson, very similar sort of player, though. Just kind of a, a toolsy, traitsy uh, edge prospect that you you got to work on a little bit, and uh, you're you're counting on him to figure it out a little bit more at the NFL level. If the Packers were going to trade back, I think this is where I would do it. If you were going to try to trade for, say, a noteworthy tight end, this is probably where I would do it. Where I would be spending, Darren Waller. That's what I'm I'm thinking about there, um, because it seems like a lot of the other draft draftable prospects or, or, or positions in this draft have a bit of a lull here. I wasn't really sure what to do at 92. Um, so if you were going to trade back, might try it here. If you were going to try to trade one of your picks, I'd be trying to move this one for Darren Waller if I was, if I was Brian Gutekunst and was interested in making that move. If you really, really like Jelani Woods, maybe this is where you take him or just hope until he falls until way later. I went with the edge rusher, just trying to double up like we, we said before, um, and Robinson was the guy that I got, honestly trying to get somebody else but but missed. Um, Tyson Anderson was my pick out of Toledo at, at number 113. Not a perfect safety, uh, but pretty darn good. 9-6 relative athletic score, 22 career ball hawks, just missed on our coverage grade threshold with a 68.8. We were looking for guys who would hit a 70. Not a lot of complaints there at 113. That is a good good prospect to fill out your secondary. At 140, I took Zachary Thomas out of San Diego State. He hits on all the Packers' offensive line thresholds. Might be able to move inside, though you wouldn't necessarily need him to. 
At 171, as we start to get into the later portions of the draft, taking some flyers on guys, I took Kalia Davis, the defensive lineman out of Central Florida. I hit him at a Tier 3 prospect. Didn't have any testing data because of an injury. Hasn't played a lot in the last two years because of some injuries and the pandemic. But he's got long arms, got good size overall, and some good production numbers, even in his uh, relatively limited playtime. Micah McFadden and Alec Lindstrom were my other considerations here at 171, but ultimately went with the defensive lineman. At 221, now here at the very bottom of the draft, I took Isaiah Pacheco out of Rutgers running back. Good straight line speed, one catch per game on average. Wasn't overly productive, but he's a good traits guy. At 249, I took the non-famous Christian Watson alternative, Isaiah Weston out of Northern Iowa. Big traits wide receiver, played at a small school. Put him on special teams as a gunner, see what he develops into as a pass catcher. And to round out the draft, at 258, I took quarterback Skyler Thompson out of Kansas State. He's got some real upside. Um, Why not? Just do a flyer, see what happens. That's my mock draft. I don't like it. A lot of things did not break my way, uh, but I feel like I got some good prospects here. Uh, If the Packers can do the same, that'd be awesome. Finally, let's close out this draft preview process by just talking about some guys that I like. I mentioned a couple of them in the in the process of going through the mock draft, but I want to give you one guy that I really like for either good or bad reasons at every position group. Running back, I really like Brees Hall out of Iowa State. He's got some neat testing numbers. He was really productive. I wouldn't draft him in the first round, but uh, I'm going to be interested to watch his career. At wide receiver, I'm intrigued by Alex Pierce. Uh, the the big guy out of Cincinnati. I don't think, well, I, I shouldn't say that. I don't think the Packers would be interested here. I don't know what the Packers do with him if they draft him. Do you want to draft a guy who's kind of redundant to Alan Lazard when you need somebody who's more that in the vein of a number one receiver type? As much as I like Alan Lazard, I think he's more perfectly cast as a supporting character in the Packers receiver core. Pierce seems like he's going to have to play that kind of role too. Is that what you want to be drafting when you're in a situation where you really need some guys? Tight end, you know my love for Jelani Woods, the big angry moose out of Virginia. Uh, What does he develop into? Uh, Maybe a right tackle. Who knows? But um, he's really, really intriguing. His physical dimensions alone are are staggering and uh, are really fun to watch. On the offensive line, going to repeat myself a little bit here. I like Abraham Lucas out of Washington State. Uh, that level of polish as a pass rusher, I think, is is worth having, even if he's not perfect as a run blocker. Packers are probably a little bit more run-oriented than most, but um, Adam Stanovich has shown that he can get a good performance out of just about anybody in the run game. So maybe that goes by the wayside a little bit. They just prioritize uh, pass protection there. On the edge, I've really come to like George Karlaftis out of Purdue. I described him as a, a blunt instrument in our edge preview. I still kind of think that, but it is fun to watch him play. He will just hammer you relentlessly again and again and again. And he's got some some great size, great testing numbers, uh, and was very productive for the Boilermakers. On the defensive line, similar sort of love for Logan Hall out of Houston. Just a super-duper, supercharged version of, of Dean Lowry, sort of that long guy who plays inside. Maybe he's an edge rusher, maybe he's not. Who knows? Uh, but he's a really, really interesting prospect. Uh, in terms of super-duper athletes, at linebacker, I love Troy Anderson out of Montana State. It's very rare that you see guys like him anymore. Just sort of this um, 
Paul Bunyan-esque tall tale sort of figure just emerging from the mists of small school college football, played running back, played quarterback in his, his past, now a linebacker, and what testing numbers he has. Uh, just a, an incredible, incredible prospect there. At corner, I love Zion McCollum, the dominant guy out of Sam Houston State. Loved his his small school numbers, just insanely productive as a corner dominating small school competition. And at safety, I really like Dax Hill out of Michigan. Uh, really super athlete. Seems like he can do it all and uh, maybe of interest to the Packers. So there you have it. To repeat myself, the haze in the barn. All we got to do now is wait. And Wednesday and Thursday are going to seem like really long days as we wait to see what the Packers will finally do in the 2022 NFL Draft. Thanks for sticking with us through this pre-draft process. I know it gets to be long. I know the anticipation is hard to deal with. Fortunately, our wait is almost over. It's time. We get to see what the Packers are going to do. If you enjoyed this episode, it'd mean a lot to me if you would share it with someone you think would enjoy it too. It's going to help more people find the show and get involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And that is the goal, because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time after the NFL Draft on Blue 58.